Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might want to know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. My guest this week is physical therapist, Dr. Marie Witt. She is a four-time guest now on the show. We have had recent conversations about shin splints. That was last year. And then in season one, we actually had two episodes together. And we talked about cross-training and feet. But this time, we are talking about rehab versus prehab for runners. What is the difference? Where does the crossover happen when something becomes rehab versus prehab course, context matters. But many runners, unfortunately, will experience at least one running-related injury every year. And if you visit a physical therapist, you may go through a process of doing exercises in your rehab that also look like things you might already be doing or should be doing that look like strength training or prehab or preventative or just regular types of exercises you would include in your training anyways. So today we are talking about the difference between when we are doing a rehabilitative versus a prehabilitative or even a performance oriented series of exercises that support you as a runner. Dr. Marie Witt, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hello. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. I'm good. I'm in a new state. Life has been crazy. We're back on the podcast. So you know what? Things are good. Season three appearance. I'm super excited about this. Uh, and for people who are unfamiliar with you, because they if they haven't had a chance to listen to your three previous episodes, we did one about cross training. We've talked about foot and basically your feet. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, also feet. super helpful and specific episode I know we did last season about shin splints. If you are a shin splint sufferer, like just stop listening to this one, go listen to that one, then come on back. Uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Hello. I say running fit fam you're now part of the running fit fam i just i start everything with that so hello running fit fam i am dr marie witt i am a practicing physical therapist i was in michigan now i'm in alabama but i am a sports specific physical therapist and i love to specialize in runners and what i do on the interwebs instagram youtube all the things is i bring practical exercises experience runner patient stories from the clinic and i bring them to you and I try to shrink them down into bite-sized pieces so you can take them and incorporate them immediately into your life and your own running. And I know that the whole world, you know, you, you take most runners and you get them off the beaten path just a little bit about like things that you do aside from running to support the running that you do. And people get really kind of freaked out because there's so much, it seems like there's so much information out there. There's so much kind of information to sift through and sort through. And you might end up following a whole bunch of like power lifters by accident because you just tried to start strength training. And now people are talking about, you know, shredding for competition. You're thinking this isn't applicable to me, right? Or I mean, it's kind of cool to watch though. I'm not going to lie. It's it's kind of fun to watch. (laughs) But for a lot of runners, we end up in this space where all we do is run. And we need to do more than just run to become our best running selves. And that can be 
prehab. We're gonna talk about prehab and rehab and kind of what that means today. Could be prehabilitative, right? Preventative. Mm -hmm. Could be rehabilitative. Maybe you are recovering from an injury or you're addressing some issues that could lead to an ongoing injury. Um, Talk to us about those two concepts. Talk to us about you as a physical therapist when you are talking about preventative measures. And we're not even talking about, we'll talk about, Mm -hmm. and I know you have a framework for this, right? Not even talking about like improving performance. We're talking about preventing injury and then rehabilitating injury. What do those things look like for a runner? Okay, so if I get off track, just just steer steer me back around, okay? So when we are talking about rehab and prehab. First, if you are thinking about like stopping and leaving the podcast, please don't. I promise I'm going to make this way more exciting than your typical, I'm going to have you sit on the mat and do three sets of 10 of whoop bridges. Like, no, stop. This is not that podcast. I'm not that PT. We might start there, but that is not where we end. Okay. So when it comes to rehab, yes, you might start with those kind of boring. You're on the mat in a basic bridge lifting your butt. Okay. But the purpose of like that rehab is much more specific to you in that moment. Meaning when I am working on rehab with a patient, I am typically trying to take away your pain. Like typically that's why you're coming to me, right? You're not coming to say, hi, let's have a good time. It's this hurts, make it stop. I need to get back to running again. Okay. Preventative is typically not associated with PT. It should be and we'll kind of get into that murky section later on but preventative is what runners typically think of when they think I need to do cross training I need to do strength like we're only looking at it from a preventative aspect which isn't bad but it could be better and that's where Elizabeth kind of teased the performance part of it. Does that kind of answer the question? Something I also hear a lot of runners say is, oh, stretching. I need to, I know I need to stretch more to help prevent injuries. Uh, You're killing yeah, me. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Starting off with the heavy hitters. So yeah, so it's interesting when you think about prehab, you know, I think a lot of runners, like you said, think about more of those. I want to not even call them passive things, but they're typically thinking like, oh, I need to. I need to spend more time in the elliptical. I need to spend more time stretching. I need to, I don't know, do more, you know, crunches um, to improve my core strength. You know, from your perspective, what are you really looking at? We're talking about things that are pre, I want to say, you know, prehab, right? Preventative. Preventing injury. That's really what we're talking about here. How can we prevent or reduce? No, nobody can 100% prevent injury. How can we reduce your risk of injury as much as possible so that you don't have to stop running while you have to rehab an injury? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the wheel to this bus. We're going to turn this bus around. Okay. So prehab, I want to redefine what prehab means for runners. I just defined like how we usually think about it. But if you want true effective prehab, your prehab must be running performance, okay? Because people, like like Elizabeth had said, runners tend to think of, I need to stretch, I need my ice bath, I need my therapy, which isn't bad. These are good tools. But if you truly want genuine, effective prehab, you have got to get intense. You cannot be afraid to do hard things, to lift heavy things, to get specific with your training plan. I'm going to... I said, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself here, but when you are truly doing prehab, you need to be working on strength. Like in some blocks of your training, you need to actually be working on hypertrophy. 
you need to get strong. You need to work on explosive uh, movement. You need to work on reactive strength. And we'll talk about this more, but this does start to scratch the surface of that prehab question. Yeah, that looks very different from what you were just describing yeah. about going through the stages of rehabilitating a known injury, mm -hmm. right? Because if we have a runner come into you and let's let's go, let's use an, a concrete example to pick a common running specific injury that you see a lot in your practice. And we're going to use this as our example. Pick one. Okay. Everyone's favorite, tight hip flexors. Because we all know, or we know somebody who's had tight hip flexors. And great, look, I'm already on a soapbox, Elizabeth, good grief. Okay, <laughs> so um, let, let's make it tangible. So a case that I have seen multiple times in the clinic. Um, at a previous clinic, I would kind of be a sub, a substitute. I would kind of pinch it. The regular therapist is on vacation. I come in and I'm helping treat the patient. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe they just need someone to fill a slot. Okay. So I got really good at seeing a patient one or two times, trying to get a grip on their case really quickly while still being effective at creating effective treatment. Okay. There were times that I've worked multiple different jobs. So this is, this is not one specific clinic, one specific therapist. This is, this is very broad. I go to a runner and say, Hey, okay, you've got tight hips. Tell me about it. What's going on. They'd say, okay hips are achy. I feel like my hip flexor is locked up. I look at their program that they've been working on for, let's say three, four weeks. And I see your typical infamous half kneeling hip flexor stretch or couch stretch, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And, and I asked them without bias, right? We don't want confirmation bias. I asked them, okay, how, how is this working for you? How does it feel? What have you noticed? Is it improving? Like just objective questions. How do you feel about this as the patient? Nine times out of 10, I get the, like, Shoulder shrug, slight head shake. Like, I don't, okay, well, tell me what that means. Like, I need something concrete. I don't want to assume. And they say, I don't know if it's helping. Like, I could feel it at the beginning, but now I don't really know. And I'm like, should we change it up? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we, we can change it up this week. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the case I want to work with right now. Okay, I like does that. that. Fit, does that fit the vibe? Yeah. So okay. we're using, so we're, let's say, let's say it's a runner who's coming in, they have some kind of persistent tightness and achiness in their hip flexors. Maybe it's even worse, you know, we're doing speed work or, you know, during or after a long run, that sort of thing. And so it's kind of, it's starting to impact. And here's the thing, because one of the questions when you and I were crowdsourcing questions for this episode, one of the questions that we got was when do, when is it time to seek treatment, right? Because runners are notorious for waiting too long to seek yeah. treatment, right? Usually we only, us runners only go see a physical therapist when something is actively preventing us from running, right? That it's gotten so bad, we cannot even step foot out the door without starting just being in, in pain or such discomfort that we cannot even go for our run, right? So let's hope yeah. this hadn't gotten there. We're, we're at a runner who let's say has, it's starting to impact their running, right? As in it's getting, it's not getting better. And in fact, it's getting worse and they're coming to see you and, or they started to see your colleague. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the things their colleague gave them was like you said, that, you know, half kneeling, I call it what is like the pirate, you know, you're, you've got one knee on the yeah. ground, you've got, you know, the other <laughs> knees at a 90 degree angle and this, this kind of kneeling. I, I do that all the time as part of a warm up in for yeah. strength training and mobility. It's great. But in this specific instance, that, that stretch or that dynamic stretch was mm -hmm. the first stage of the rehabilitation of this injury. What you're saying is that 
you need to then move beyond those basic, very low load exercises if you want to then effectively continue to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. This is true. And what ends up happening is the reason I I'll say, quote, never, never give that exercise to a runner in the clinic is you've probably already tried it. Like, I know you well enough. You have gone to Dr. Google. You have looked around on Instagram. You have tried all the low-hanging fruit, okay? And hopefully you've only tried that for two weeks. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's like if something has been that bad for two weeks, like it is time to come see me, okay? And I say this to give whatever runner out there, this is permission if you've been struggling a week and a half, if you're creeping onto two weeks, just, just stop there, get your butt in the PT. Like, we're not going to shame you. Okay. Like, it's time to take care of yourself. Okay. And back to the hip flexor stretch. The reason I don't give that is you've already tried it. And I will demo it or I'll ask, what have you done? You'll say, I've done that one. And I'll ask, how did you feel? Did it help? Did you notice any improvement? Because you actually hold valuable information and as a pt all i have to do is mine it and listen for it okay because if i don't listen to you then i end up giving you that exercise that you've already tried and we waste a week of you trying to do this exercise and you're here to get better so i don't want to waste your time and i want you to get out and back run and run again so when you said your first step as a PT is really to help manage pain, right? We're here, those yeah. the first thing. So let's say, let's say it's me. Let's say I have the hip flexor issue and I come into you and your clinic and I say, Dr. Witt, I'm here in my first appointment and I'm presenting with these symptoms and <laughs> I've tried that half kneeling stretch and you know maybe I tried a more, some static stretches. Uh, you know, maybe I took some ice baths. Maybe I did some, I don't know, clamshells or I just kind of cycled through the, <laughs> like you said, the low hanging fruit. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and then, but I say, but I'm still experiencing discomfort, right? Yeah. I'm still experiencing pain. When, mm -hmm. What are you doing and why are these uh, more simple, like you said, kind of on the mat, kind of boring, right, exercises? Yeah. How, how does that help me with my symptom discomfort? So the reason we start there is... If you are having hip flexor pain or just hip pain in general, if I try to get you into a squat with a hundred pounds on top of the barbell, you are probably not going to be a happy camper, right? Like it's probably not a good place to start, but believe it or not, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to pull in the PT voodoo here. That back squat, if I put you on your back, that actually looks like a bridge, right? So what I know, we're doing some mental gymnastics here, okay? But like, but like, try to try to like, actually stand up, do your little, your little squat, and I'll put yourself on your back and be like, huh, it's actually kind of similar, okay? What I'm doing is I am taking a high level exercise and I am progressing it down to something your body can tolerate. So that is why we typically start with the boring exercises, but that is done with the purpose of take away pain by starting to wake up those muscles a little bit more, initiate some strength building and increase range of motion or mobility. So that is why everything seems so simple and 
quote, easy at the beginning is because I, the patient is probably not ready. The runner is probably not ready to be back squatting 100, 200 pounds right away when they come through the door. And this, I mean, we're, and we're using hip flexors, yeah. flexors as an example, or hip yeah. issues, but this could be anything. This could be hamstring issues, glute issues, calf issues, ankle issues, foot feet issues, issues, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's really interesting. So I wanted to ask you, because one of the one of the other questions that we got was mm-hmm. about um, loading, lo- load and reps when we are doing uh, rehabilitative work. And I think it will depend mm-hmm. on what stage of rehab that okay. we're in uh, versus something that looks like traditional strength training. Um, yes. and let's, let's use the, let's use the, you know, the mat work, you know, an, an, a body weight bridge, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You know, for an uninjured runner of reasonable strength, they could do, they could pop out a million unweighted bridges probably, right. You could probably do those almost all day long without issue. And they're going to be bored out of their freaking minds. Yes. They're going to be like this, this prehab is the stupidest, boringest thing ever. I would rather go run 10 miles right now. And they probably would, exactly. they would probably stop and just go run. I'd be like, I don't blame you. And actually that's why I think a lot of runners, um, <laughs> neglect strength training is because they're doing stuff that's way too easy uh and if they made it harder it would be more interesting but so that's the thing but in a in a (laughs) rehab context talking about so we're gonna talk about again like load and all kind of stuff but we're talking about in the context of rehab we don't want to load your tissues a whole lot because Mm -hmm. we are working on reducing symptoms and if like you said we were to we were to put that runner or me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, an injured runner in the squat rack and have them squat 150 pounds, recipe, recipe for disaster, right? So we are starting Probably, with yeah. low load intentionally. Correct. So this is where PT is an art and a practice because I can tell you from experience, you come out of PT school, you took the boards, you're a newly minted doctor of physical therapy, you get to the patient and you're like, holy fudge muffins, I have no idea what I'm doing. You get the first page and you're like, I'm a dog, I'm in charge of them? Who, who did this? Who put me in charge of these people? I have a caseload? Oh, okay, you, you learned, you is baptism by fire. Now, this isn't all P- people, but every PT kind of goes through this, this experience. You, It's a baptism by fire. You realize one runner, Elizabeth, is gonna respond this way. And Joe Runner over here is gonna respond entirely differently to the same exercise. And it is because your tissues are at a different, are at different points, different stages of healing. And so these low load exercises are not always about strength. It's one of my PT soapboxes is we don't have, like I don't have the best vocabulary right now to try to explain the difference of needing strength. Cause what happens is little tangent, Runners get blamed for weak glutes, okay? This is one of my other soapboxes I have bajillion blog posts on. Whether your glutes are weak, they might be. You might actually need true hypertrophy for your glutes. Or, like Elizabeth, you are doing regular strength training, right? And you're back squatting in your cool um, Amazon home gym, right? And did you see her story? It was kind of cool, guys. She has a cool garage gym, and I kind of want to come over and we can lift, but states away, okay? So... She might actually have strong glutes, but her body might not know how to access that strength. So the roundabout way I'm, I'm getting here is when we say in PT, oh, you need to get stronger. I don't want you to always think you are weak. I want you to consider the possibility of you need neuromuscular 
activation or big fancy word neuromuscular re-education okay this when i boil it down it means you need to your brain needs to find your glute muscle you need mind muscle connection and you need to be able to turn up the volume to 10 okay but the layman's way of the pt trying to explain this is you need strong glutes but you're like, but I do my strength work. How do I not have strong glutes? Is it the wrong strength work? What am I doing wrong? Is the load wrong? Is the weight not off? And then we just go down this whole rabbit hole of, I can't feel my glutes turn on. Are my glutes working on my run? Is that why I'm a hip flexor is so cranky, bringing it full circle? So does that kind of paint the picture for low load and rehab and just like the confusion mess that it is sometimes yeah and I think this is okay. where yeah you know and I've seen this you know we, I think we know we've talked about this before and I actually you know and I know we've referenced the shin splints episode before but you did such a great yeah. this is basically what we talked about for like an hour on the shin splints episode it was great. It was like, talking about <laughs> you know the kind of the you know we think about your nervous system as being this kind of like highway yeah. system right where it sends information yeah. from a to b and if the road is blocked right or goes in the wrong direction right or there's an accident so there's like backed up track you know these are all kind of like you know ways of of describing Mm -hmm. the way that your body Mm -hmm. sends information from place to place um that you could have technically all of the components that you need but they're just not talking to each other with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is there a is there a a profile of runner where you tend to see like Oh, a runner with a certain type of history who comes in super strong, but with like nothing's talking to each other. Yeah. So I think, I think we started out with that profile, actually the, the hip flexor runner, typically that is the patient that I'm thinking about where you might actually have the glute strength you need, but your body can't access it. Therefore, things are just kind of getting dumped into that hip flexor. Because to to contrast that, to help make this make more sense, when I see a runner with shin splints, that glute activation is missing, and often that glute strength is also missing. So, but these... These are just patterns that you pick up through clinical experience. Don't like, I don't want the the listener to automatically assume if I have A, then I have X. If I have B, then I have Y. Okay. These are just patterns that I keep in mind when I see people in the clinic. Have you, and I think this is the danger of, mm-hmm. of runners trying to self-diagnose and then self-treat oh, yes. serious injuries <laughs> is that. Like you said, if if we typically think, right, you know, runners, I mean, yeah, we're constantly told you should strength train more. It's important to become strong. Strong runners are fast runners, all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that could lead a runner to think that all they need to do in order to rehab an injury on their own is to just like get super strong. Or like the only thing that matters is just getting really, really strong and not doing any of the neuromuscular work. Because something we haven't even talked about and that I get some questions about is running technique and running form, right? So if you have this 
like these monster glutes, right? Super strong, <laughs> crazy force output, right? You're squatting <laughs> twice your body weight. You're a beast in the gym, right? I've imagined um, giant pecs, but like booty but games. Booty, right? Cannon, it's cracking, like, it's cracking me up. Very <laughs> slender runner with like this just giant muscular <laughs> booty-licious look. Um, <laughs> But, but that's, I mean, and then, but like, let's say if they're yeah. overstriding, right. Or if they're, yeah. you know, some other, you know, uh, form issue, if they're hinging at the hip or there's weakness in another part of their body, like mm-hmm. we're really trying to get our bodies to work and function is one total unit, not as a set, a, a collection of disparate body parts. Correct. Yes. And that's where I have actually just started to challenge myself recently in the gym, because I finally have access to a gym facility again. So I challenged myself to walk the walk starting in 2020 to actually do my strength work more regularly. Okay. And so, yes, I, I got myself a strength program and I, I love it. Right. She, she's a phenomenal trainer. Um, topic for another podcast. Um, but I started to reinterpret those exercises that I had been doing for the past couple of years. This year, I was like, I have access to soft boxes, right? The kinds you can jump on top of. And I started combining the pre-programmed stuff with my own PT knowledge to give myself more of a neuromuscular exercise fest, okay? What this looks like is not just step-ups, okay? If you have stairs in your house, you can do step-ups all live long day. It's it's basic rehab exercise. It's good if you had knee pain, if you had total knee surgery, people are already falling asleep with this snooze fest of diagnoses, right? Not very fun, okay? What I did instead is I got, I don't know how tall the softbox was. We'll say medium height, okay? I gave myself a two-step running start powered up the softbox into a running sprinting stance. What I challenged myself to do was not just create quad strength, but explosive power and then reactive power because I landed on my midfoot. I didn't land on my whole foot, on half the foot. So I challenged my glute strength, my single leg stability, my balance, and my sequencing of the running movement all in one exercise. And it was very exciting because I didn't want to fall down, right? But there's risk, so it's much more exciting. And two, it looked like running. Does that kind of help illustrate the neuromuscular aspect of all this? Yeah. And yeah. and this, I think, brings us back to the question that I always get asked. is like, well, yeah. isn't running enough? Isn't it enough to just run? Is eating pizza enough? I mean, I wish it was. It'd be gluten-free pizza for me. And pineapple belongs on pizza. I will die on this hill. Amen. It's pineapple really pizza is delicious. And if I could survive off of that, I would. Pineapple, jalapeno, and some oh. sort of meat if you're a meat eater. That is like... The, I'm going to add pickled jalapenos to my pineapple and ham pizza The now. best. Don't We're going to get me. so many hate comments on pineapple pizza. <laughs> and I'm here for it. <laughs> But I think this is the confusing thing, right, is that here's the other thing, too, is that I think a lot of runners and so the statistics on running injuries are just, you know, you know, they're through the roof, right? I think it's something like 80 percent of all runners will experience at least one running related injury per year. Um, And so often when runners do seek treatment eventually, probably later than they should, and they go through the rehab process, we can talk about that process looks like because we talk about where you start, right? Uh, We talk about where we're trying to get to. 
when they go through this rehab process and the injury resolves itself, I don't know about you, but more often than not, I know those runners are then ditching what just kind of like being like, okay, cool. I'm fixed now. I don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. I can just go back to running, which I really is what I really love to do. Yes. So we, we see this in the clinic and it's the runner. I'm not going to say runner. It could be anyone. I don't really hope this isn't a runner where <laughs> you come in for like three visits. You go, oh, I feel better. And then you never come back. And we're like, but we weren't done. Oh, but I feel better. I don't need PTK. Bye. And then they come back six weeks later. And like, you are now officially a frequent flyer because you came back. And like, yeah, well, PT doesn't work. I don't know why I'm here. And I'm like, because you didn't finish your rehab. That's why you're back. Okay. Because it's kind of, it's really interesting how our brains have evolved. We constantly look for pain. We constantly look for a problem. And once the problem is solved and done, we forget about it and we focus on a new problem, which becomes, I'm not running. I need to run again. Or so I'm not running as much as I was before. I need to run as much as I was before, right? Oh, if I was running yeah. 40 miles a week before I got injured, and then I had, to, and then I was running 10 miles a week during my rehab process. But I really, I'm, I'm feeling better. And I want to get back to running 40 miles a week, so I'm just going to return to 40 miles a week. And yeah, then, it's it's one of those where I'm yeah. like, would you? Let's say you came to PT three times. Would you run a marathon after only three training runs? I sure hope not. Like like. I, I, I really hope not. Okay. I mean, like, you I could, totally... but it's not going to be nearly the same outcome as if you had spent enough time to properly, you know, prepare yourself for it. Have you seen these YouTube trends where people go out and run a marathon without trading? Yes, and it looks just I like... I see it. I think of you every time. I'm like, I want to know what she thinks. There was one guy. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a terrible idea. I mean, here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. I think it's, on one hand, it is such a cool like look at how what what we can do to our bodies right yeah. the way the way that our and you know I, I use this uh, on another uh, episode talking about you know not eating enough right like underfeeling mm-hmm. your body like your body is like a dog who wants to make you happy it will do everything it can do to keep doing what you ask it to do until it literally mm-hmm. can't do it anymore right so yes. can you run a marathon without training mm-hmm. maybe are you probably going to cause some real issues doing that? More than likely, right? Are you going to have yeah. a, a, a pretty bad experience compared to if you train properly? Oh, most definitely. You're not going to be able to walk the next day. Or for a couple for days sure. afterwards. <laughs> the one that I saw was a guy actually did it on a track, which is like also a, that a next level of like, oh my God, dude, do you even like, <laughs> I mean, and I love I the like- track, but I don't want to run a marathon on a track. <laughs> I was like, please say he like switched directions halfway through. So I'm like, my body hurts watching this going in one direction. Talk about, right? Like your hips are going to need some attention after this. Um, I had more injuries in track season than I did cross country season. And I swear to the running gods, it was because of the constant counterclockwise motion. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Especially, okay, if, sorry, especially if you're doing a warm up and cool down on the track, right? One of the things, so yeah, I mean, we would, pro tip. We would still alternate, but. Yeah. Man, just that constant, yeah. like, just turning, mm-hmm. just turning. Mm-hmm. Pro tip, though, if yeah. you do find yourself doing a lot of track work, uh, it can be very helpful to do your warm up and cool down going the other way. Like, so head all the way Correct. out to lane six or lane eight uh, yes. and then run in the run clockwise, right? Just, you know, do 100%. That, and it helps so 100%. much. Yep. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about the rehab progression, right? So we have a runner, 
and they're in PT and they're committed to going through the whole PT process to rehab their injury so they can get back to doing what they love, which is to run. And we're starting on the mat, but that's not where, like you said, it's not where we want to end up. How do, how do you as a PT work on, okay, let me, let me actually rephrase it. This is what I want to say. What should a runner expect in how their rehab will progress over the course of their treatment? Because they're not going to come in twice a week or once a week for six weeks and just do the same stuff over and over again. I hope not. I hope not. I have, I have seen it done, but I, I, no, I, I hope that is not the case. So let's break this down into two, four, six, so two-week in- increments, okay? Now, granted, I change things up much more than this. This is for simplicity's sake, okay? The first two weeks, we will probably be managing symptoms, meaning pain and or discomfort if you are having a muscle cramp or a strain, a pulling sensation, basically some unpleasant sensation that is limiting your ability to do life or run. Okay. That is my goal for two weeks. All right. That's what we're going to be focusing on with low load exercises that place the appropriate amount of stress on your tissues because our bodies actually need load, AKA stress to heal. Okay. This is the art and practice of PT where I am learning your body. Your body is learning me still. And I ask you, how does something feel? We're trying to stay in constant communication of how far can I push you to that edge without going over the edge, okay? And that exercise, it could, that we've talked about the glute bridge, we might have to start there. We might have to start with flat on your back, bend both your knees so your feet are flat on the mat, lift your butt, bring it back down, that is your glute bridge, okay? You might be able to handle the single leg bridge, but it's not likely until phase two, which the framework for the, for the sake of simplicity is more of a preventative phase, okay? This is the part that's very fluid. It's very gray. This is where I start to give you harder exercises. We are now working to really increase strength maintain any strength you have, maintain the range of motion, the mobility that you've been working on, and we're really diving into more neuromuscular mind muscle connection stuff. This is where I want, I always want things to look like running. Okay. I'm going to start from like phase one to try to make it look as running ish as possible. You're going to start to see it more in the preventative phase. Okay. What this can look like is with this glute exercise, this glute bridge, Now, if it's not a single leg bridge, it is now. And, or I can put your foot on a step. So now it is elevated. So I want you to imagine this in your head, single leg bridge, foot on the step or on a ball, and you lift your butt. If you add running arms, it actually looks like you're sprinting off of the table. Like kind of going the right direction so far. Makes sense? Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So then the last two weeks, What I want for you is I want to finally jump into running performance. And I kind of already hinted before, this is where I really want your prehab to be. Now, this is also the part where we don't always get here with our patients just because of life, how many visits you have from um, whatever insurance provider, if it's insurance, or sometimes if it's cash pay, sometimes it's just you run out of money. So you got a dog to feed, you got kids to feed, right? But 
learning performance is where PT should end ideally because this is where we are starting to look cool. It's very sports performance-y. It really looks like running now. Like you can feel it. I want you to lift heavy things. I want you to do hard things. Typically, I make my patients sweat. They're leaving. They're like, oh, dear Lord, I need a nap. I'm like, yeah, you worked hard. They're like, I didn't know this was going to happen because what this exercise can look like, we have the single leg bridge I talked about. Your foot is on that step. Let's say the left leg is doing the work of getting your butt in the air. I'm putting a dumbbell in your right hand. You're doing a chest press at the same time as your glute bridge because now we're working on your running push. We're also working on anti-rotation core strength in addition to your glute strength and your hamstring strength. Or let's make it more fun. We can turn this into a hip thrust where we're working on those giant booty gains Elizabeth was talking about, right? If we add a dumbbell to your hips and it's a, still a single leg bridge, okay? But you can start to see how this gets much more specific and niche down and specific to running and what you need as a runner. Does that help clarify all that? So the goal, it sounds yeah. like the goal is to get you to a place where, you know, what stage one, managing symptoms and discomfort, reducing frequency and, you know, uh, severity of symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Stage two. And I, you know, you, you, we talked about, you know, you know, every two weeks, kind of like a, a six ish weeks. And I think for mm-hmm. most soft tissue injuries, I think that's, it's reasonable yeah. kind of, you know, yeah, six weeks. Yeah. That's not for mm-hmm. of rehab. Um, some may take longer, some may take a little bit less, um, of getting to the point where kind of like, I, here's the thing, knowing runners, right. And obviously being one myself and being a coach and having my own years of experience, I would posit that that's middle phase is probably a really tricky phase for a lot of runners to be in and not mess it up because they're feeling better and they get a little greedy in how much they think they can do and they overdo it. Yes. And that is where I start getting the questions like around week three, they're like, so I feel good. I can run again. I'm like, yes, but I'm making your running plan. They're like, oh, I, I, I'm like, no, you're, you, you don't get to choose your own running plan right now. You're going to talk about it with me. A lot of times, actually, when I have high school runners, I was like, so what does your coach say? They're like, well, she wants me to back down to X many miles. I'm like, perfect. You're going to do that. And then they can't say no. I mean, they can say no to me, but then they have a coach they have to answer to. And it gets a lot scarier right away. I And, and honestly, speaking from experience, right? Because we want to yeah. feel good. We want to keep going. And we are so afraid of yeah. taking any time off, even when we need to, that we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, three weeks of like, oh, yeah, totally. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do that speed work that I missed three weeks ago because I got really injured. But now I'm feeling better. So I'm going to do it anyway. It's like, actually. Yeah. <laughs> actually this, is, this is where I remind, we have, we have this talk like multiple times where I tell the runner, your rehab is now training. Okay. So your running workout is, is obviously still training. Okay. But we have lowered the volume on how much you're running and we've actually increased your training in a different space, a different area. Okay. So what you are doing right now is equally, if not more important than running right now, you just have a different training plan at the moment. And like how I try to make this easier for runners to swallow is I structure their home exercises in a specific way. So they have five at the most, usually three at the minimum. So three to five exercises. I say, okay, we know for certain from being in the clinic, 
Uh, I get a little anal about testing because I want you, the runner, to see and feel your own improvement. And I stress this bajillion times in my blog posts, my any of my content, any of the workshops I have on my website. There are always tests so you can objectively see before and after your progress or if things got worse. Okay. Same thing in the clinic. I tell the runner, okay, do your test. You're going to do your exercises as your warm up, two, three rounds. Test yourself again. Did you pass? If you did not pass, you do not get to run. If you did not pass, you go back into your exercises a couple more times. Did you finally pass? Okay. Your body has said, I am now prepared to go run. We can do this. But this, so they go run. And then I tell them, test again after you run. Because this way, the runner can have an active conversation with their body as to how it's feeling, how it's responding to the exercises, and then how is it responding to post-run. Because it allows the runner to check in with themselves, and you can't really BS yourself when you are failing a test because you have concrete evidence in front of you. I do sometimes see runners take the ostrich head in the sand approach to some of this in that if oh, I, I do too. if I don't <laughs> if I don't know how bad it is, I don't have to think about how bad it is, right? So, yeah. I was feeling fine when I started my run, but by the end I was limping, but if I then don't like think about that anymore, I can just forget about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty human. I'm going to um I'm going to out myself. I've done that. It didn't end well. <laughs> So I want to ask you about something Something I hear from runners is when they're going through the rehab process and the initial slate of exercises, you know, at-home exercises they'll get from their PT might look something like you said, three to five, um, relatively low load, higher rep, depending on what mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. exercises. Sometimes they're being asked to do every single day or sometimes multiple times a day, depending, or maybe before and after runs, depending on what the uh, rehab protocol is, what we're actually trying to address here. And that, I think, freaks a lot of people out. That they're like, I have to do these every single day or twice a day? Is this like for the rest of my life? It's a good question, yeah. And so the first thing I would say is, as a runner, if you were in PT right now, Go, go ask your PT. Next time you go see them, go ask them this exact question because they will be able to give you an answer specific to your case, okay? But the reason we have you do the rehab exercises every day, if not multiple times a day, okay, is typically because you have pain. No one likes pain. Make that go away. Two, typically it is for mobility purposes and or that mind-muscle connection, those neuromuscular gains, okay? Because like we said before, if you ran three training workouts, would you go run a marathon, okay? It's the same principle where you have a marathon of life, okay? I want you to consider, especially for parents out there, dude, when they wrangled their kids into the stroller or they wrangled the kids into the car seat, like I'm watching this across the parking lot, I'm like, I'm exhausted watching you, okay? And then they go for a run around the park, I'm like, God bless your soul, okay? So you have that. And then you have to maybe pick up the dog or you got to switch the clothes in the laundry. You got to put the dishes away. You got to chase the kid into bedtime or bed, whatever. The point is you have a lot going on and it can be hard to get the exercises in. But if you only get them in one time a day, you're asking your body to hold on to this change 
that you've only initiated once, it doesn't naturally live here. You're trying to get to the point where your body naturally lives in this better state and you're expecting it to hold on to that change for the entirety of the marathon of life. It's like asking a two-year-old to stop asking why. They might, they might stop for like two seconds and then go right back to it. Your body is the exact same way. So we don't ask you to do the exercises multiple times a day because we don't trust you. That's not the case at all. Where you are an active participant in reteaching your body where to live. You are creating an environment for healing and stability for your body. And you're putting the work in now so that way you can reap the benefits later and we can wean you off of doing those exercises to maybe one time a week or maybe a couple times every couple of weeks, but after your body learns that new habit. I think that freaks a lot of people out, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, I, you does. know, and I, I've, I've talked to runners and, you know, I've had my own experiences in PT and look, you know, we're all humans, right. Who have different kind of niches and some people are really amazing and some people are pretty good and some people are not so great. Right. And that's just kind of life, right. We have people kind of yeah. are along the spectrum of what they're really good at. Um, and, some, I think some practitioners are much better at explaining the why uh, behind this, right? Because yeah, you're right. If I'm a super busy runner and I went to, yeah. and I finally went to PT, right? And you said, you need to go home and do these things three times a day and then come back in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? And you're like, we'll talk about that next time. That's not super reassuring to me right I know I know. <laughs> but if you it said is. what you just said be like this yeah. is one initial phase we are doing these things for a reason and then we will reassess and move on right we're all about helping you make you feel better because no ideally you shouldn't have to do those things multiple times a day for the rest of your life unless there's a, some of um, extenuating circumstance or maybe you were maybe there's some sort of catastrophic injury that you are you know rehabilitating from that's going to take years right but that's mm-hmm. not most people. Most people are recovering from pretty low to moderate grade soft tissue injuries. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's actually a super red flag for a PT is if you have been doing these three time exercises for two, three times a day for two weeks and you're not seeing any improvement, that means those exercises are not the right ones for you. They are, you are obviously putting in the work you are devoted to them. You're trying to do all the things and your body is telling you, nope, it's it's not working. This is not what I need. So let's move all the way to the other end of the spectrum. When rehab turns into prehab and then mm-hmm. we talk about performance, right? How can I not only just feel, you know, keep my body in one piece and feel like it's working correctly, then how can I leverage this into performance gains? Mm-hmm. One of the questions that I got about this is somebody who went to PT, worked through the entire, you know, multi-phase of their rehabilitative process, ended up with their PT doing things that looked like a traditional strength training workout in the gym, heavy lifting, mm-hmm. weights, all the good stuff. And then they asked me, do I need to strength train on top of the work I'm already doing with my PT? I'm like, well, but you're, no, but, what? <laughs> well, the first part is like, I, I'm sorry to this runner. Your PT should have explained this better. Okay. So what, with, for this runner, I'm going to answer this. Runner. For what you were doing in PT, you actually were doing a strength exercise. Now you were doing it under the watchful eyes of a professional who was making sure you didn't 
have a flare-up of some kind. We didn't overdo the load. You didn't have a poor uh, neuro response to it in case there was any nerve pain or low back pain, right? Because that can happen with squats and deadlifts. Like you did it in a way that was specific. It sounds like to strength hypertrophy, building larger, bigger, stronger muscles, but in a safe environment. How that can be interpreted from PT into more running performance is by continuing with that, let's say that that training program, let's say it was five sets of five reps of a back squat, a very basic hypertrophy plan. Low, low rep, heavy weight, multiple sets, going to get the muscle fiber gains. Yes. We get those bootylicious gains. So you can continue with that on your own by increasing the weight appropriately. And this is how it can become from end of PT baby weight gains into true hypertrophy. You could even argue bodybuilding, right? Because this this set, this little mini program set right there of the five by five, it can be used for a bajillion different things. Okay. So it is okay for the lines to get a little blurry between PT and running performance, because ideally we want that flow and that transition to actually be that seamless. Now it becomes detrimental when you don't know what you're doing. Like this runner where they're like, am I strength training? Yes. Yes, honey, you are strength training. As long as you don't have those flare ups that originally sent you to PT. And, and that, that's, that's the goal, right? To be in a place where you can be asking your body to build strength and power, to improve your neuromuscular uh, capabilities, to focus on performance gains, not fixing something that's wrong. Correct. Yes. We, we eventually want to leave that fixing era behind us and we want to move into running performance or running training, whatever it is, the more fun things. So you talked, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, and I love this, this soft box running, you know, two steps, and then yeah, you're up fun. and you land on midfoot. You talked about a couple different things. You talk about but strength, right? So creating your, so improving your ability to generate power, right? Force yes. output, which is essentially all that strength is. Um, yeah. You talked about uh, reactive strength. Yes. And we talked about stability and mobility, right? Yes. So. I know for a lot of runners, again, this can get confusing because it seems like there are so many individual things that I need to focus on. Oh, I need to improve my cardiovascular system and I also need to improve my strength and I also need to improve my mobility. I also need to improve my power, you know, my, my plyometrics, all these types of things. Mm-hmm. But there are mm-hmm. ways that you can do this in exercises that are essentially doing all three or all four at once. Correct. So, and I can speak from like personal experience because like I said, I, I, deliberately put myself into trying to figure this out for the past two years and then amping it up this past year, because I was looking at all the things, all the things I learned in PT school and then all the literature and realizing, okay, I am a pretty unencumbered individual. I have a husband and I have a cat, right? Like I I don't have a whole lot going on. The cat can be a pain, but he's okay, right? He can take care of himself. Okay. But there's all these things Elizabeth was talking about that we feel we need to do. How do we simplify this and make this tangible for the everyday average runner? And like, that's personally where I'm trying to, I'm trying to create a plan for runners. So like 
stay tuned. Like I'm hoping to create that kind of resource in the future, um, but I have to put myself in it to understand it, right? And what we have found that has been important for running performance and specifically like for example, to make it tangible, improving running economy, okay? Is we have, we need the need for, we have the need, excuse me, for maximal strength development. So your strength exercises need to be working on getting bootylicious gains. That's what we're going with today. That's what we're going with, okay? Bigger, stronger muscles, okay? Another box you have to check is explosive strengths. So this is where Elizabeth was talking about power, power output. I want you to think of these as quick and fast. That is the, the high effort box jump that I was doing that I described, okay? This is gonna be scary, like don't run away. There's also a barbell clean and an overhead push press, okay? These are not nearly as scary as runners think they're. I think they're actually really fun because they are a full body movement, like to describe what a clean is, okay? You are standing, you're holding onto the barbell and you are just whipping that barbell up into an upright front racked position. It's a very fluid motion. It's, just, it's really fun, okay? Because you are whipping heavy weight around and you are in control, okay? And the overhead push press is you're in this front rack position. You're just pushing it overhead and then you come back down and then you can let the bar come back down, okay? What this does is this helps create strength in a new way because I realize you're not running up the hill with a barbell, but you have to be able to generate this kind of explosive strength to power up that hill. Or if you're like, I'm not going to let this girl pass me, you have to be able to access this explosive strength. Okay. Other part, other strength we need to develop is reactive strength. Okay. I want you to think of this as your body receiving impact. Okay. Reactive strength, such as in jumping plyometrics, what this does is this helps make you faster. These can be simple. These can be hurdle hops. These can be little pogo jumps on both feet or on one foot over a yard line. Okay. And the, the beautiful thing about these three boxes is you could create a workout plan where I'm going to pick, I have some exercises in front of me. I'm going to list off a couple exercises. You're going to build strength. So you're going to do Bulgarian split squats and an RDL. Those are your two strength workouts. You're going to build the explosive strength. Let's stick with the box jump I talked about. Okay. And you're going to build reactive strength with the easy peasy pogo jumps. That's four or five exercises. If you count the variations of the pogo jumps, that's, that's five. That's it. I think we can find time for five exercises that might take 20 minutes a couple times a week. Does that seem more tangible for the everyday runner? Yes. Because I think yeah. that there is this misconception that yeah. we need to spend as much time in the gym that we do when we spend running, right? So if you have even like the average runner, right? Mm -hmm. Most runners I know are probably spending at least four to six hours a week running in a regular week, right? You know, yeah. if you're running 20 yeah. miles a week, right? 
Yeah. It yeah. adds up. That makes sense. Time on feet yeah. really adds up. So if you're thinking, yeah. I'm running four hours a week and then we have all of our, you know, I got to get ready. I got to feel before and then I have to shower afterwards and I have to get ready. So if we're thinking, okay, it's, I'm really spending six hours a week doing, you know, around my runs. Maybe I have to drive to the place that I'm running. I have to drive to a gym to run on the treadmill, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And they're thinking, and I have to spend another how many hours a week on top of that doing all this strength and mobility stuff. I know that it's important. I just don't have time. Absolutely. And that is why kind of looping back to the PT circuits I give someone, that is why I try to work in any warm up stuff you need, mobility, activation exercises in five minutes of time. That is why your warm up and your cool down from me is only supposed to be five minutes at the most. It's usually probably two minutes because I realize one, it gets overwhelming when you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. So let me figure that out. Two, let me make it fast and accessible to you so you don't really have an excuse in quote marks not to do it because you have that five minute warm up at the most. You have your hour run, right? Minimum. You can do your cool down against another five minutes, maybe two minutes really at that point, And then your 20 minutes of strength work, right? We've, we've taken this big, massive chunk of time. We've tried to condense it to make it more tangible. It, it, it's hard because like you said, it's still just, it takes time. It takes commitment. And also strength is outside of the rehabilitative uh, phase Absolutely. of training when we're yeah. like doing things multiple times a day, every day, you know, yeah. you don't need to do this kind of stuff every single day. Yeah. One of my Absolutely. favorite things with favorite time savers is, you know, I, again, it's like double check with your PT, but if you have these exercises that are more mobility focused, right, or plyometric focused, yeah. those can be your warm up. You don't need to warm Absolutely. up and then yeah. do this and then go for your run. And it's like, you know, condense them, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, because I might give a runner, uh, let's do because it's on a bunch of my free guides, the shin boxes, like the hip warm up. Boom, boom, boom. Do that 10 times. Um, do a couple glute exercises they gave you. Get out the door. Okay. When you come back, you're tired, then do your pogo jumps for a couple minutes, you're done, okay? But that's it. I'm like, yeah, when you have the right amount of load, the right amount of reps, and like, this is something I need to uh, work on, is there's a specific way to count the load of plyometrics. I think it's total steps, total reactive steps. It's in the research articles. I can send it to you if you want, but like, it's been super enlightening how to count plyos. So once you have the information fed to you, given to you, and you simplify to what you need specifically as a runner, it's not nearly as overwhelming. You take one piece and you run with it. I actually did an episode on plyometrics with uh, Dr. Matt Pistero uh, earlier in the season. And um, one of the things, you know, he was talking about with plyometrics specifically is that, you know, talking about increasing tendon elasticity and strength versus maximal force output is that you need to essentially spend, I forget what it is, Mm -hmm. enough time on the ground to generate that maximal force. Um, and it's something I forget, but it's like, it's less than a second, right? But it's, 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 it's a, it's a blink of the eye, but Uh 
one of the things we were talking about is that in the context of world-class sprinters, they actually don't spend enough time on the ground per mm-hmm. foot contact to generate their true maximal force output. So yeah. it was just really interesting to think about, you know, I think when we, we think about plyometrics, kind of explosive strength, these explosive movements, we tend to think of them in these like, like a lot of like just jumping and hopping and there are ways to create explosive movement that isn't jumping and hopping. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's make this even more simplified. You could technically get away without doing plyometrics. Okay. Like if you are so busy in life that you can't add one more thing, you technically don't have to do plyometrics as long as you're okay with the consequence, with the outcome of being, you might not run faster. Okay. You can potentially not strength train and you could potentially not do mobility work as long as you're okay with the consequence of you might not be able to like for, for myself, because I didn't strength train regularly. I couldn't get past the four and a half, five mile mark. Like once I hit that, I would have to take a week off because my body would break. And that was the consequence of my actions. I I have been blessed that I don't really have mobility issues. So that's never been my problem. So like for myself, I don't do routine mobility work. I check myself. I say, okay, I checked the box. I'm good to go. Okay. But strength work, if I don't do that, then I pay the price. So it's, it's kind of a give and take. It can be very specific and individualized to that runner. I also think it's really important to mention um, that just because you may have gotten away with something up until now, doesn't mean you can Mm -hmm. keep getting away with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I see this a lot with runners who run too fast for the easy days, right? Or who don't prioritize strength training. And then they'll, maybe they'll get away with it for a year, maybe a couple years. Mm -hmm. And then it seems like it's just this cascade of never ending issues. And ideally what we want as running and as, as professionals as this in this space, and I know I can, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I bet this is true. My goal is you don't, that you are never injured, right? I would much, much, much rather work with people who are, you know, I can't say, you know, we all get a little bit injured sometimes, right? We're talking about super minor little tweaky things that cleared up with, you know, some minor attention. That was it. But if you are neglecting fundamentals of your training that end in serious or recurring or repeated injury, you have dug yourself into a hole that's going to take some time to climb out of before you can then resume your performance journey. Absolutely. I mean, it kind of cracks me up with the content that I put out there in the blog post. Like, I'm essentially trying to talk myself out of a job. Like, I'm trying to give you the tools uh, as is appropriate so you can educate yourself. But, like, obviously still go to PT when you need to go to PT because I understand what it's like to have this nagging, persistent issue that comes back again and again and again and again. At the same time, this should be a hint if it's coming back in again and again that you're missing, you're missing the boat somewhere. There's a disconnect. Have you ever had somebody walk into your clinic and say, I'm not injured. I just want to be the best I can be. Nope. They have always been injured in some capacity, <laughs> but hold on because here we're going to climb on this. This is a really entertaining story. Okay. This was actually not quite running related. He was actually a BMX biker. Okay. And he came into the clinic and his shoulder was all jacked up. And he's like, I don't know why I'm here. This is so stupid. I'm just, this is so dumb. He's like, he's, he's a grown adult. Okay, I'm trying to keep it PG here, but he's a grown man, okay? 
he's probably like 45 or something like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, how can I help you? What's going on? He's like, I hurt my shoulder, but this is stupid. PT doesn't work. I don't know why I'm here. My surgeon sent here. I just, I straight up looked at him. I said, you can leave. You can go. I'm just grumps in the corner. I get up and I'm going to the door. I'm actually going to leave the, I'm going to leave the room. He's like, wait, 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 where are you going? Where are you going? You can't leave. I'm like, yeah, I can. You can leave too. You're a grown adult. You don't have to be here. So I started to leave. Like, okay, no, 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 fine. Come back, come back, come back. Okay. The point of this story is to illustrate one, you're, you're a grown adult and consequences. You, you need to accept those if you don't want to do X, Y, Z. And you can choose PT. You don't have to come to PT. You can choose to do your prehab. You don't have to, but you just need to be aware that your body might talk to you later in the future and say, hey, dumb, dumb, that wasn't so smart. Why didn't we do all the things we were supposed to do previously? And I will go on record and say, as a running coach, if you need to cut your run short by five or 10 minutes to make room in your schedule to get in your prehab, your strength, your mobility work, I want you to do that. I'm giving you permission to run a little bit less if it's going to help you include these other things in your training week. It's that important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a PT, I would, I'm not the running coach, but I would much rather see you do the 10 minutes of of a PT before your run and have to cut that short a little bit than to not do it at all and then the last 20 minutes suck because you didn't put your body in a environment for healing to give you the capacity to handle the load of the run. So let's uh, let's finish up by talking about ideally, what are the situations in, in which a runner should say, all right, you know what? It's time that I seek professional help here. Because you've mentioned like, oh, something's not getting better for two weeks or if you have this recurring mm-hmm. injury, right? The last thing, the thing that makes your job harder is when somebody comes in complaining about something that's been going on for six months and turned a minor injury into something that literally will require them to stop running for weeks while you rehab it. When should a runner seek treatment for their injuries? Like pain levels, mm-hmm, frequency, mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So when I am screening out a runner who can work with me, because I have shin splint appointments on my website, I get very specific about this. And we go in depth and I talk about, hey, how long has this been going on? And they might say weeks, they might say months. And I say, okay, if it has been going on for three months, I'm like, I'll go and I will ask them further, what's going on? Why has it taken you so long? Because in, in to to finally address this, and sometimes it's it ebbed and flowed. Okay, fine. But the most important question is, what is your level of discomfort? Zero being no discomfort. Ten, I have to go to the ER. It's so bad. If you are consistently at a four out of ten or higher, like typically it has to be over a four out of ten, I am officially referring you to go to PT. It is not appropriate for you to continue to struggle bust this on your own because recently over my years of practice, people have agreed that four out of 10 qualifies as annoying. Like it is limiting my ability to live life. I don't like it. Okay. If you're routinely four out of 10, like 
please stop putting yourself in pain. Okay. But I will work with people in the online space. If you are at a one to a three, three and a half ish at the most, that is my cutoff because like Elizabeth has said in previous podcasts, there's just, there's some aches and pains that come with higher mileage, longer distances. And pain is one of those things where you have to keep in mind. Sometimes it's a liar. Sometimes it's a red flag. Sometimes it's a liar. And that is where there are professionals like myself and coaches like Elizabeth, where we help you interpret what your body is saying and where that pain is going. Does that help answer the question of when to seek rehab? Yeah. And I think it's really helpful. Okay. And it's interesting. And I hear this a lot too, you know, because I get runners at all stages, you know, ask me, ask mm-hmm. me questions about all sorts of things, which yeah. is literally, you know, what I, I do, what I do. And the questions I do get about injury or something is that it seems to be runners who struggle with this kind of inter- intermittent, like Mm-hmm. It, it, it's mm-hmm. there and then it's not there or like we talked about in the shin splints episode right yeah maybe yeah. they got they got a little like yeah that didn't feel great but then like I took a couple days off and then my next and run felt okay. fine you know and then yeah. it kind of came back and then you know the, and so and I think the the whole point is that you know we're all going to experience aches and pains especially if you're in peak week of training for your your mm-hmm. your race right do not judge your injury status by how you feel in peak week of marathon training or half marathon training right um but there's a difference between these kind of minor little aches and pains and a persistent issue that keeps popping up and keeps popping up and is starting to interfere with your ability to perform the way and or gets worse right i always say yeah. like Hey, if it's, if it's getting worse, if it's changing how you're running, I, and I, I'm sure you've heard all of the, all of the things from all of the people about the excuses about why they continue to run. The one I always get like, well, I, you know, I just, I just changed my gait a little bit and it went away. I'm like, well, that's not a good thing <laughs> because, like some, because yeah. you may have changed your gait into something that's actually going to cause you other issues down the road. You don't know that. Right. Um, funny, funny story, but the air quality was really sucky. And it finally hit Northern Alabama. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to the gym. They have really nice filters and stuff in the air. So I'm running on the, on the treadmill and I'm watching myself as I finish the last five minutes of my run. I'm like, I don't know what my left leg is doing. Like it's kicking out to the side. Where is my left knee going? Where, what is this foot? I'm like, I'm going all over the treadmill. And I'm like, why am I still running? Like, I'm gonna, should I stop? I should probably stop, but I only have three more minutes. I'm like, what are you doing? Just get, it's, it's three minutes. It's three minutes. Get off the treadmill. You're going to hurt yourself. It's fine. <laughs> We're so persistent, which I think is what makes runners super awesome. Like we have this ability. It is. The, the definition of endurance, right, is to persist yeah. despite challenge, right? Absolutely. But you don't have to persist through something that hurts. Yeah. And that's, that's where it gets hard because when runs do suck and they do like they do hurt like there's just amount of suck that's going to happen on a long run and especially doing intervals like i want to know the runner who likes 800s 800 repeats i want to know who they are okay but like to to deliberately suffer through that you do have to build a tolerance to pain and discomfort and it's learning your body and learning to interpret the discomfort that that comes with practice and that helps you as a runner decide this is my aches and pains during peak week versus this is injury that needs to get addressed. Last question, and I'm hopefully we'll we'll be able to touch this upon this briefly in the wrap up. Um, But for, I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, (laughs) runners who go to PT 
and their PT tells them to stop running. Yeah. Yes. So not, and I think this is honestly, this is, I think is the biggest fear for so many runners. If I Mm -hmm. go to PT, it's it's that ostrich head in the sand, right? If I go to PT and they tell me to stop running, I don't want to stop running. Therefore, if I don't hear them tell me, I don't have to stop. Right. I like it. But there is also, we talked about kind of the spectrum of practitioners. Mm -hmm. There are going to be some Mm -hmm. PTs who are telling you to stop running for a brief period of time while we get a handle on what's going on. And then there are going to be some PTs who don't understand you as a runner and are going to tell you to stop running, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How can and, we how can we figure yeah. out what to do here? So I will out, out myself again. Coming out of PT school, we're typically uber cautious and conservative, okay? Like if you are coming to me, you're in pain as a runner, I'm going to tell you to stop running, okay? As I got more confident in my practice and I saw more people and more runners and I read more and learned more, that gave me the confidence as a clinician to say, okay, Elizabeth, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you a deal, okay? Your shin splints, they're, they're, they're a little wild right now. They're a little cranky. I think you'd agree. I need you to give me two weeks of not running, okay? After that, we can start building into some quarter mile intervals okay and i realize it's not a lot i know you'd rather be doing four miles instead of quarter miles but it's either we do it this way and you can get back to running sooner or you can try to run through this and i don't know what's going to be on the other side of this it could get really ugly so i try to future pace my runner clients to show them this is not the end all be all this is where we need to start because this is where we go. And after the quarter intervals, if your body responds well, then we do half mile repeats at an easy pace and that builds into miles. And once they can see the bigger picture in conjunction with they start to see their own strength come back, it becomes a very powerful tool because the runner starts to see and feel their own improvement. And that, I mean, that sometimes yeah. we have to see it to believe it. Right. We have to experience it ourselves to believe it. Yeah. And that is the whole premise of a bunch of my content and the workshops I have is I want to give runners those tools where they can see their own strength happen again. They're like, oh, wow, I wasn't weak. I just needed X, Y, Z exercise to access the strength I have. And then they go for a run. They're like, wow, that felt so much better. Like I didn't hurt. I'm like, yes, because it was there all along. And I realized not every PT is equipped with that kind of experience. And that's okay because I'm in a new area where I'm learning CrossFitters and I'm learning how to rehab cross. It's a very different world. It's kind of similar. Like, okay, mini soapbox, like runners, like we, we need to realize we kind of need to be baby weightlifters. I'm not saying you need to be a CrossFitter. I'm not saying that, but there is not as huge of a gap between the two communities as we think there is, okay? We are running endurance. They're doing lift heavy, hard stuff endurance. It's still endurance, just in different ways. And we both go through the suck of pain, okay? And it's by taking all these experience as a PT, I smush them all together and I give them to you as runners and you end up with these really cool exercises that look like running. So then you wanna do them and then you can keep running, but changed during an injury. And we'll say the best rehab is prehab. 
<laughs> Yay! And, and it becomes more fun when your prehab is more running specific. Like, I want to shake people and be like, I just want you to stop thinking of prehab as little granny exercises. Like, stop. Resistance bands aren't bad, but they are not going to be enough for what you want to do. And that's the coolest thing for me, adding more running specific prehabilitative or exercises that yeah. are load bearing in my into my training that looks like running I'm doing these things like I'm doing weighted single leg stuff and going mm-hmm. and I can actively see I can feel and see yeah. how doing this yeah. exercise will translate to how I feel outside and that's really cool that's like that's the that's the good place yeah. that you want to get to because that's mm-hmm. the exciting part I mean it is motivating to rehab it like to, to rehab an injury and that you are motivated to not be injured anymore Right. Yeah. But then to get to that next level of I am then motivated to exceed what I'm currently capable of doing so that I can do more of the running. I can lift heavier. I can be more comfortable. I can improve my range of motion. I can do single leg squats or even, you know, pistol squats or these things that like or I wish man, I'm not that cool yeah, yet. I, know, I can do pull up, I can do a pistol squat. <laughs> or things like pull ups, right? Or all these things. Like that's I think for a lot of runners, I think it's a really it's a really un tapped area of if you've been especially for runners if you've been kind of bumping up against this performance plateau you're not injured right but you're just kind of like yeah kind of keep doing the same stuff and like i'm 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 not really getting much faster not like i used to right this might be the thing that unlocks that next level for you kid you not yes and i realize bridging that gap can be difficult because it looks overwhelming and not everyone wants to sit down and read a journal article five times. Like the one I keep reading and rereading, I'm like, oh my gosh, right? So what I try to do, and I have, if Elizabeth wants it to her podcast, I have a free strength guide for runners. It's like one of the newer free, yes, I have a newer freebie. Sweet. Um, yeah, I know. So we can, we can link that if you want. And what I try to do is I, it's going to be very basic for some runners, it's going to be eye-opening for others. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach you, I'm trying to translate an exercise into looking at it through a runner's lens. So like Elizabeth was saying, the pistol squat, like I wish I was that cool, do a pistol squat. Because like what is running but a bunch of single leg squats over and over again, right? And single leg deadlifts. That's why those are so important. But if you're like me, I get bored with them. That's why I have a general training plan that I talked about that I purchased with my own monies. And then I changed it up to look more running-ish because that keeps me engaged and interested as a runner in a strength capacity. That's super cool. We'll totally link that below. I love your freebies and your paid content, which is also very important. Uh, If runners are interested in finding out more of that prehabilitative optimization, kind of, you know, looking to work through some minor aches and pains, just Mm -hmm. be better at what they're currently doing. Tell us what you have. (gasps) Yay. Okay. This is the best part. Okay. So the shin splint episode that we talked about before was absolute fire. And so from that came one-on-one opportunities to work on shin splints, but you know, that's just there if you need it. What's more important is the two workshops I have. I have stronger feet and stronger glutes. Stronger glutes is brand new and it is geared towards the very first runner case we talked about at the beginning, the tight hip flexors, because runners will say, 
after speed work, typically after hills. I don't know what you see, but I see mostly after speed work and long runs, the tight hip flexors happen, they get locked up, and then the hip joint, they tend to lose mobility there, and that just gets achy and painful. And they're stretching, 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 and it's not enough. So I wanted to create a solution that you can walk through yourself. Like it's it's a course, it's like 40 minutes of videos. It doesn't take a lot of time. But what it does is it gives you the tools and the solutions for long-term benefits. That way your hip flexors are not cranky. They're not going to lock up. It answers the question of why are my glutes not turning on? Because they might actually be turned on. You need to access that strength. But I give you exercises that look like running for running that work while you're running. Because I walk you through a framework of like first you need to make sure the mobility is there. And then you have to activate the strength you already have. And the way you got that going for you, then you can build strength in a way that looks like running, what we've just been talking about for probably the past 15 minutes. I give you a step-by-step circuit that you can walk through specifically to fix those hip-related problems, okay? And then these stronger feet, there has been such a plethora of new research coming out about how runners have to have strong feet to do anything and it, it makes me laugh because I created these exercises for runners who struggled with plantar fasciitis. I think she was qualifying for her. No, she was training for her third or fourth Boston. And she's like, I have plantar fasciitis. Fix it. I'm like, okay. So these came from her. And then also runners who had Achilles tendonitis. And then I had another runner who had posterior tib tendonitis. Like all these feet issues. And we found that when we worked on the foundation of their foot... Their pain went away. Their foot got stronger. They could run longer and faster. And now there's been all this research out there to support if you want to run fast, you've got to have strong feet. So I'm literally giving you two solutions, stronger feet and stronger glute, and you'll never get injured again. I wish not on wood. <laughs> yeah. Reduce your injury risk as much as possible. <laughs> exactly. Just take, take these things that I've learned in the clinic. These are literally from runner patient after runner patient after runner patient talking with you guys on Instagram. And I put all the things that work together into workshops and like, here, take them, please use them. So for so many runners, again, it's that I don't know where to start. And look, I'm 100% understanding that the barrier to working with somebody one-on-one, whether it's financial or emotional, right? That's not going to be the first step for everybody. Some people have no problem saying, I have a problem. I'm going to hire somebody to help me fix it, right? But there are a ton of people, right, who who would much rather try this, I'm going to try to fix it on my own instead, right? So this is, this Mm -hmm. is resources. This is real stuff that they can do. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, can you tell them real quick about uh, your experience going through the stronger feet? Because it was really cool. Yeah. So it was interesting. So before when I started, you know, doing the foot strength stuff, I was like, do the towel scrunches and do like the toe yoga. so much. And what's interesting to me (laughs) is that I found myself, it it was amazing. Like the first week I was like, oh my God, my feet are so weak. And then by the second week I was like, oh, these are way easier. Like it was, and I think it's one of the other things too, is that when we start a new exercise, the first time we do something, we're like, this is super hard. I'm super weak, like blah, blah, blah. It's never Mm going to get better. But just consistently doing it for like a couple days or like a week, you are going to see huge improvements, huge improvements. Um, That was actually something that really helped me get through my, like I said, kind of my persistent left side issues where I was dealing with low grade plantar fasciitis and, you know, low grade posterior, or it was um, 
wasn't posterior tib. I think it was, what's the other one? Medial tib? Peroneals? Medial tib? Yeah. 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 Um, And that was also related to some deficits in strength in my, you know, in my um, up the posterior chain, which are now being corrected. But um, yeah. And I think for, you know, a lot of runners, the the foot is kind of, again, we, we tend to think that Oh, running's enough. You know, how, how can my feet not be strong? I run six miles per week. That's crazy to think about, but also, and totally on a tangent, cause we're like way out of time. I don't care. My podcast, my rules. <laughs> it's your podcast. Um, <laughs> you can do what you want. <laughs> another thing. And this is really interesting. Cause we were talking before about, um, not in this episode, but like talking about carbon yeah. plated shoes. And I think oh, that yeah. for a ton of runners, they're, they're having issues in their carbon plated shoes because their feet are not strong enough to handle it. So if you are mm. interested in exploring the realm of carbon plated shoes, you might need to work on your foot strength first. Do you have an episode on? It's like, do I need to go listen to this it, or like, what, so what car- have you seen? So, um, uh, I did episode two of this year with the doctors of running. Okay. So okay, two cool. PTs, who the doctors are running like 90% of their work is ta- is looking at shoes, like running shoes. I did yeah. see this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we talked about that so and cool. we talked, so we talked about, you know, how the carbon plate, um, specifically impacts, you know, how your foot moves in the shoe. And I know we've talked about this a little bit before yeah. as well, yeah. but you know, essentially that kind of made this, this analogy that, you know, if, if wearing running shoes is like, you know, riding a horse, then the carbon plated shoe is like the wild bucking Bronco. You have to have an incredible amount of like, um, strength and mechanical, you know, stability. And like, Mm -hmm. oh, you basically have Mm -hmm. to be like, you have to know, you have to have all your ducks in a row and be ready to go ride that wild horse. Because if you don't, it's going to throw you and you're going to get hurt. AKA the shoes might actually cause you problems. Um, That's so interesting because I wondered why I was seeing such a spike. Okay, I'm going to go listen to that again. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay. Dr. Marie Witt, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was not going to be the last time, that's for sure. Yay! Um, good. If, it's always fun being here. It is fun, isn't it? Um, yeah. As much as I know, part of me, because like I said, I'm such an introvert and such kind of like a, once I make friends, I'm like, I have all the friends that I need. But I love having conversations Same. with new people. Um, but it's always fun to have returning guests come back on the show. So if you're interested in any of Dr. Witt's work, you can find that in the show notes, Stronger Glutes, Stronger Feet, uh, the freebie for strength. And yes. if you have any questions about, you know, working with her or learning more about, I don't know, how mm-hmm. to optimize yourself as a runner, I know she has answers. Yeah. So check her out. Yeah. Get, get in my DMs, ask me questions. If I, I try to answer every DM, if not, at least read it. And then if I don't answer you in the DM, keep an eye on my stories or any content I put out or a YouTube video I put out. But I try to answer everyone's questions because if you have it, another runner definitely has that question. Yes, 100%. At this point, mm-hmm. there are very few original questions that have left to be asked. That are left to be asked. <laughs> this this is true. Yeah, this is true. Until we end up with a new kind of shoe, right? And then we have to start the whole process <laughs> over <laughs> again. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.